0: All right, we are rolling now, counting us down. Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey there, Misketeers. Welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I am Lex Michael. And if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be movies, music, television, spoken word, books, experiences, things that have built us up as people. And we hope that in sharing it, it builds you up. We are the retrospective that is introspective.
1: You know, they say a boy's best friend is his mother, but a podcaster's best friend is a co-host who can lay it all out like that.
0: I feel secure. Oh, well, that's good.
1: I was I was disoriented. I was like wandering around in the woods at night alone without a flashlight being like, was that an owl? I don't know. Scary shit. And then you like like a like a beam of light cut through the darkness um, and, and you showed me the way that's a gift.
0: Uh, well, it's a gift that I got from my mother. Uh, so this week we are talking about the 1960 Alfred Hitchcock classic, Psycho. This is the beginning of our Mother May I Month. So Lex, you pitched this month. I did. Uh, can you tell us what the deal is with this theme?
1: okay so we are calling this month uh, mother may I get it it's cute because it's got the it's got the name of the month in it so it's all about uh, messed up dark twisted relationships between a child and their maternal figure and I figured what a better place to start than with the sort of uh, granddaddy in cinema or the grandmommy if you will of uh, messed up mother son, relationships, right? And so I thought since Tari J had never seen Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, why not talk about that? As it is, of course, uh, one of the most iconic films of all time, generally considered an all-timer in almost every respect. I mean, every part of this thing is iconic, so much so that even if you haven't seen Psycho, decent chance you are pretty familiar with that material. I mean, every piece of it, the the screenplay, the casting, the score, the production design, the direction, every part of this thing uh, has sort of rung out through film history. It's one of the most copied movies of all time, the most parodied, the most imitated, and there's good reason for it. I was sort of excited to go back and revisit this movie uh, because I am a little all over the place as far as uh, Hitchcock's work. I think his craft was absolutely bulletproof. But a lot of his movies uh, leave me feeling a little bit cold. Like I'm far more intellectually engaged than I am emotionally engaged. So I was very curious for myself to see how Psycho held up. And I am pleased to say, at least in my estimation, this thing holds up like gangbusters. But really, Tari, it is your take on this thing that I'm most excited to hear because you are – you are new to it, so this this iconic piece of of cinema that you are partaking in for the first time. Uh, I want I want your thoughts, and I'm I'm excited to dive into a conversation uh, about Psycho because there's a lot to discuss.
0: Yeah, uh, and so uh, without giving any spoilers, just kind of letting you know where I stood. Um, I'd never seen it. I had been on the uh, Universal tram ride, which has a section where you go by the Bates motel and they're like, Oh my gosh, there's Norman Bates. And he starts walking at you and you drive away really fast. <laughs> um, and then my uh, other uh, exposure to it was this song by Bastille featuring L where it is a cover of no scrubs, but it has quotes from uh, psycho in it. It's it's the quotes are mainly from the f- first uh, conversation between uh, Norman and another character and they pull little pieces of that. I think the implication being that uh, Norman Bates was a scrub living with his mama. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) uh, that was really my only exposure with the exception of, you know, everyone knows about the shower stabbing scene. I've seen parodies of it and I've, I've seen, a lot of people reference it. So it's, it's iconic for that reason. And that like, you can pick it out without really having any other context for it. Yeah. I thought the, I thought the movie was really interesting. I think uh, of the information I had about it, I think I only really knew what uh, about like the first, maybe like 20 minutes. And then after that, I was like, oh, the what I thought took place towards the end it actually took place very early on, and so there's so much more movie than I thought there was, which was a really nice turn because it's really hard to be surprised by something that is so like culturally iconic right. that like all of the reveals are there you already know what's going to happen and i i knew what the big twist was going to be it's sort of but hard seeing not it to, play yeah. out right uh see and so seeing it play out um was a really interesting it, it's almost like i was able to have a second viewing on my first viewing in that like i could see what the misdirects were i could see how they were planting the seeds and all that stuff so that was really interesting
1: yeah um and it's it's so exciting when you're able to go into a movie like this that is super well-known, that a ton of people have seen, but removed enough from it so that you can sort of go in and be surprised by the the execution of the twists and the turns. Uh, Hitchcock famously, uh, when this movie was playing in theaters, instituted a policy, and at first theater owners sort of balked at this, uh, instituted a policy uh, through which no one would be seated after the film began because if they came in late then they were going to miss something they were going to uh, not be privy to certain bits of information in a way that would uh, fundamentally impact their experience with this movie and at first theater owners thought that that was going to interfere with business and then very quickly they saw lines outside their theaters around the block to see the movie and they were quite pleased indeed
0: nice um and i i totally get that like it feels like for the time that it was created, like something very new. Um, I also can imagine that people, uh, from what I understand, the, the shower stabbing scene, was something never before seen. And it was very risque for the time. Um, And I totally imagine people kind of going home and being like, bro, you got to see this psycho movie. Like there's some crazy stuff in there. It's so uneasy. And uh, you know, the, the Norman Bates character is so menacing and all that stuff. So like, I totally get this building buzz. Um, And I get why it became such a memorable film in the, in the, history of all film
1: yeah and i mean you talk about certain things that audiences weren't used to seeing on screen i mean there's a couple we can touch on without spoiling anything because we're talking about you know like in the first scene um you see uh, uh Marion Crane and Sam Loomis together in bed. I mean, the fact that a couple is being depicted in bed together, an unmarried couple, was very sort of risque and taboo at the time. And then, even more than that, the fact that you see uh, Janet Leigh essentially in her in her bra and her slip, you know, was very risque for the time. The big one, though, the big sort of amusing one, is that this movie has the high distinction of being the first to feature a toilet on screen and a toilet flushing. Uh, at that, that is something that had never actually at that point been shown in a movie. Uh, so that's pretty wild, I think. And then, of course, ushered in a golden age of toilets on screen, uh, an age that lasts uh, up until our present era. So we have uh, we have Psycho, right. thank for our, our depictions of waste receptacles uh, in motion
0: pictures. Totally. If not for Psycho, we wouldn't have that scene from Dumb and Dumber where Harry poops himself so much you know we wouldn't have that scene in Chappelle's show where he poops so hard he flies off the toilet this broke all of the barriers I
1: mean you know what's kind of funny about that though is especially in the actually in both cases right like they're not relying on dialogue to sell the scene where uh Harry sort of wrecks that toilet or In the Chappelle Show sketch where he flies off the toilet, they're not relying on uh, dialogue or contrivance. It's literally just action taking place in the frame, shots cut together to tell that story. In a way, it is sort of what Hitchcock would have referred to as pure cinema.
0: Interesting. Speaking of breaking barriers, (laughs) we're going to throw a barrier down right here, right now, because we're going to go past the spoiler wall you guys know all about that spoiler wall it's where we break through and talk about all the intricacies of the movie or television thing that we're talking about uh so if you have not seen psycho and you're like oh boy i want to go in so fresh these guys are talking it up so good um then this is this is your chance to jump away Uh, and so while you're doing so, if you're going to be hanging out with us for a little bit, why don't you go on to iTunes? I know it's been a while guys. There's a lot going on in the world and it's been a while. Uh, and let us know that you miss us. Let us know things that you want us to talk about where we're stuck at home. If this is the long future and everything is done with man, leave a, leave a message telling us what the world is like at that moment so uh do you can do so on itunes if you leave us a rating or review that really helps us we read five-star reviews here on this show so we will also give you a shout out for shouting at us uh i think i've wasted enough time what do you think lex uh (laughs) i
1: mean you know i'm all about wasting time
0: that's true all right well i've given you so many opportunities to click off if you don't want any spoilers. Uh, otherwise we will be back right after this. All right, we are back. Lex, I think you know what time it is. I think it's time to bust a recap. Uh, so this is, if you haven't seen the movie in a long time, uh, I kind of give a quick recap of the events of the movie just to kind of get your brain synapses flowing
1: this is usually my favorite segment is it it is i, I like i like hearing things that i'm already familiar with described to me
0: <laughs> <laughs> um i mean i'll do it with as much flair as i can um but yeah so psycho it, basically, we have this woman named Marion, and she's hanging out with her beau, Sam, who's not ready for commitment. He lives in a in a in a back room. And he's been married before and she's like, yo, quit coming to town just to get my titties. And he's like, look, I'm poor and I just want to touch your titties when I'm in town and I don't want a full commitment. You know what I'm saying? I'm tired of being married. I'd been there, done that. And she's like, well, these titties ain't for no no uh, traveler these ain't traveler titties so uh we should get married and he's like too sorry too poor gonna gonna leave now and so she's like you know what if his problem is money then i'm gonna give all the money and this sleazy sleazy dude he's gonna he's gonna give it to us so we uh at her real estate company this guy comes in and he's like, look at all this cash. I'm going to buy a, a thing for my, I'm going to buy a house for my daughter. Who's only 18 and she's getting married. Unlike you, you old bitch. And Marion's <laughs> like, okay, I feel justified in stealing his money. And so she uh, is supposed to go to the bank with his $40,000. And she's like, nah, bro. I'm going to go to my boyfriend and we're going to fucking disappear. And so she leaves and, She tries to drive all the way up to his town. On the way, um, she falls asleep and gets harassed by a police officer. And then she's like, oh, damn, this this shit's too hot. And so she fucking just, like, switches out her car all uh, suspiciously and then gets... Tired. Well, I guess technically it gets so rainy that she has to stop at a hotel and she ends up going to the wrong hotel. She goes to Bates Hotel and Norman Bates is like, yo, you want to do some sex? Uh, But he doesn't say the words. He like kind of implies it with his like, I don't know, thoughts. And she's (laughs) like, I'm tired. And he's like, well, fuck you, too. And he murders her or I guess (laughs) his mom murders her. Uh, And so then you get like a real time view of him like cleaning up the crime scene and taking out the body, driving it to the swamp and essentially get uh, proving that he's done this before. Uh, But since she took the money, we get uh, this. uh, We get basically get a whodunit uh, from the from a P.I. coming into town. He talks to. Sam we meet uh Lila uh, Marion's sister and they're like we're gonna figure out what happened to this woman and we're gonna get that money back baby no police we're just gonna find it and we forgive her we get it you got that Sam Loomis dick and everybody wants that Sam Loomis dick so bruh we know we get it look at that shit and he's like I do have a pretty good dick let's go fig let's go find her so I can give it to her and so then the pi goes to bates motel after doing a lot of door knocking and he fig- he almost figures it out he goes into the the bates house and oh my gosh he's murdered too and so sam and lila decide to do some sleuthing right so they go in pretend to be a married couple and they trick they trick Norman into into letting them into the house. Well, technically, Sam is like, "Hey, let's uh let's talk about life." And Lila's like, "I'm gonna go in the house and I'm gonna find that mom." And then it turns out that the mom and Norman are the same person. And then we get a Glengarry Glen Ross type explanation <laughs> at the end about his uh his parentage uh why he is the why the way he is that his mother's inside. Uh we we get some talk about disassociative disorder before they knew what that was. And it sounds like they read a Wikipedia page and were like, yeah, I can make a movie out of this. Uh and then uh, you know, we get the last shot with Norman talking as his mom. And it's crazy. And they're like, look at this guy. And that is Psycho.
1: I mean you're not no nothing. You said there was wrong. <laughs> um, I really like I like the tone. I, I actually really want to see your remake of Psycho. Gus Van Sant very famously in uh, <laughs> 1998 put out uh, a very nearly shot-for-shot shot remake of this movie. Um, I want to see essentially like your near shot-for-shot shot remake, but with uh, sort of the script, the dialogue, the tone changed to reflect the way you just told the story. Um, And speaking of the way you just told the story, um, as we, I think, alluded to a little bit earlier, this movie is so iconic and has been for such a very long time that it's hard to go in not knowing what some of the big twists are. It's hard to go in not knowing about the shower scene. It's hard to go in not knowing uh, the truth about Norman and his mother. Uh, But as you pointed out, it really is sort of the how that I think makes this movie worth Uh, worth checking out. Um, so yes, I I would like to see your how I think it's, it's high time, uh, (laughs) Tari J that you were given the reins to this iconic property. They did a, they did a couple of sequels, you know, that were not super well received. You could probably, probably clear the bar set by the sequels. Now I know this, the series Bates Motel, uh, was very popular. I've not actually seen it, but that might be a a moderately higher bar to clear, but I feel like you'll, you'll be able to differentiate, uh, just enough from previous iterations, and I think uh, I think the world deserves uh, to see your take. Where like S- Sam Loomis's uh, chief trait is just explicitly slinging dick everywhere, for example, and like that's right, sort of, of the course. crux. Like maybe it's not the money that's the MacGuffin; it's uh, Sam Loomis's dick. <laughs> also. um, Just a bit of trivia. So this is, of course, uh, one of the most iconic movies in the history of cinema. Also, of course, by extension, one of the most referenced. Uh, Sam Loomis, of course, is uh, also the name of Donald Pleasence's psychiatrist character in Halloween, which uh, also starred Jamie Lee Curtis, Janet Lee's daughter. And then the name was borrowed again, uh, Loomis, uh, for the boyfriend in Scream as well.
0: Yeah. 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 Also, so you mentioned how hard it is to avoid spoilers for this. And I, I will say that, like, I, yes, I knew about the mother thing and I knew about the shower scene. And I assumed that those things happened closer to the end. Like we built up to the shower scene. But that happens about 20 minutes in. And it, so it, it we get everything about Marion, we get to the Bates Motel, we get her murder and the shower scene, and then there's still about an hour left in the movie. Mm -hmm. And so that, I think, was a really nice surprise that even though a lot of the information that we have is available, like even the quotes from the No Angel song, is just from basically the five minute scene of norman talking to marion in the parlor um so all of those things happen and you still have so much movie to explore the relationship between norman and his his mother what happened to his stepdad um you also kind of explore uh marion's family and and you learn about sam's world and and the world that Norman grew up in. And so like you have so much more world building after all of the stuff that people will kind of just casually throw out. And that's what I really liked about it is that we, uh, even though like all of the iconicness is in the zeitgeist, there's still so much to explore in the world that's established.
1: Yes. And they really do pull the rug out from under you as an audience member, right? And that's a big part of why Hitchcock didn't want people coming in late. Like they didn't want people coming in expecting to see Janet Leigh, who was billed as the film's star, and then not seeing her and feeling cheated, you know? Um, But really about, you know, around the halfway point of the movie, you realize, oh, our, our protagonist has been completely taken off the table. And the story's not actually about her. The story's actually about this weirdo who's doing murders at the motel and stuff. And so, like you say, like in that back half, we really uh for all intents and purposes, Norman may as well be our protagonist because we don't really know, or we're not meant to know until the very end of that movie that Norman is actually the one sort of perpetrating all of this, these, these sort of monstrous occurrences. Um, it's it's easy to see him as sort of another victim in his own way, another victim of, say, a domineering, controlling, psychotic mother figure. Uh, But I love the way the movie pulls that rug out from under you. And to preserve that surprise, when they were putting together marketing materials, Hitchcock had Vera Miles, who plays Lila, sort of get put on a wig and get in the shower. And they shot a version of that for the trailers to sort of throw people off the scent. But I'm I'm a huge fan. Anytime a movie can uh, lead you to think it's one thing, and then very efficiently and very suddenly sort of pulls the rug out from under you and becomes an entirely different thing. Um, I I really love that kind of surprise, and it's really tough to do, especially now in an age where you know uh, trailers go up online instantly and people dissect every single tiny frame looking for clues and stuff like that. It's hard to be surprised in that way, but like you know, can you imagine? Uh, if you had seen Terminator Two in a theater without seeing the marketing, and you didn't know that Arnold was now like the good Terminator, he was the hero and the protector until the right. moment where he pulls out the shotgun and shoots the the T one thousand. You know what I mean? Like like moments like that are so rare, and I love that they went out of their way to make sure that that was the experience the audience had because that's it. it it's not super common even today, you know, and would presumably be far less so back then. So I, I love the way that that they were able to strike that that balance. And you don't, or I, I will only speak for myself, you don't feel cheated by it at all because it's also really easy to sort of trip and stumble into a version of that that feels very clunky, very uh, cheap cheap. You know, and I I feel like and and it makes, you know, Hitchcock was a master of the form. So it's not all that surprising, but I feel like it's worth mentioning how insanely difficult something like that is to do as well to sort of turn one story into a completely different story while still maintaining uh, the tone, maintaining connective tissue, making it feel like this totally new thing is an extension of the, the previous thing, the story that you've already been watching. Um, yeah, so yeah, I feel like that's sort of masterfully handled and it's, it's a lot easier to get on board with that transition than it might be otherwise because, uh, Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates gives, uh, in my opinion, one of the all time great performances in, in horror, in, in thrillers, you know, and, and he's so, uh, so he's sort of captivating to watch, you know what I mean? And he is so, I, I think truly sympathetic right up until the moment where you find out, oh, no, he's he's actually uh, psychotic and a murderer and so on and so forth.
0: Um, yeah, I'd like, agree. I, like, yeah. uh, I referenced the conversation with him and Marion, and, like, he's really painting this picture. Like, when you first meet him, he seems nice and personable, and then you kind of get to know more information about him, about how, like, his mom is... Uh, an invalid like you you meet quote unquote his mom verbally as she's like berating him and then you really get a sense of the the how almost poetic this character is and even though he seems like simple and and just kind of like naive he also has this sense about him where there's something else really dark going on beneath the surface and he jumps so seamlessly between uh, almost happy-go-lucky to immensely sinister. Like there's the moment when he's laughing and she talks. She suggests putting his mom into a home, and he kind of loses that demeanor and and essentially almost goes into his head, talking about his disdain for how people view old, like the elderly and and how people keep suggesting in a well-meaning way that he just lock her up. uh, But while also kind of hinting that he's also been in a facility like that.
1: Well, and so it's, it's worth pointing out too, like when they, in the last section of this movie that you referenced in your, uh, in your recap, uh, which by the way, I do think this is for all intents and purposes. I think this movie is essentially a perfect version of itself. Arguably until that, that final scene where you get this uh, sort of very stagey bit of business with the psychiatrist who walks you through in very explicit detail, like arguably needlessly explicit detail, what Norman's psychological state actually is, and the way he describes it is that uh, Norman is never all Norman, but sometimes he's all Mother. So even when he's got the Norman face on, like you know, in the sort of exchange that you are describing it's really sort of mother speaking through him, you know? And so there's an interesting question there about, you know, because of Norman's psychological state, uh, his sort of, uh, his absence, if you will, from his own mind and body, there is, I suppose some argument about how responsible Norman himself actually is. Um, and so I really like, you know, in that scene with the psychiatrist, you get uh, wonderful little gems, like, uh, so did he kill my sister? And the psychiatrist is like, yes and no, and then launches into like more of a, <laughs> an explanation, you know? Um, but but also really fascinating that Norman has so internalized the personality of his mother has so created this, this second uh, personality that both lives within him and also for much of the time has both hands on the wheel. I like that the mother personality, like the way he's internalized their relationship um, is such that at the end, the mother basically just lets Norman take the fall for her. But like, you know, the version of her that exists in his head is sort of letting the rest of him take the fall for her, which of course, because it's all in his head is his projection, I guess, of sort of how his mother would approach this situation. And in his estimation, it is to throw him under the bus completely, which psychologically tracks with, what we learn about like the secret origin of Norman Bates, which is essentially like his father, uh, his father died many, many years ago. But then his mother sort of falls in love with this other guy and he feels like he's been thrown over. He's been betrayed. And so he kills them both and then digs up his mother's body and puts like a wig and a dress on the skeleton and stuff and talks to it. Um, And you know, who amongst us uh, can't can't relate to that who amongst us wouldn't go to such lengths for for our parents uh dig them up and put a wig on them and talk to them and stuff
0: Hmm. maybe i've been sunning wrong
1: he's very dutiful you can't i mean you can't argue that he's i mean look yes there's the fact that he murdered her that you do have to take into consideration you know what i mean like yes context Uh is a thing but in a world where he's already murdered her and he can't take it back uh he's at the very least being a very dutiful son after the fact
0: Okay, I will, I will give you that. Um, so you were talking about his kind of dual personality and this idea of uh, him crafting those things in his mind. And I really like that we're almost primed for that idea early on when uh, Marion is driving along the road and she's almost imagining how people are responding to the things that she's done like we never really get any confirmation that those that's actually what the people are saying we're we're led to believe that it is essentially her imagining how people feel about the way that she stole the money um and i think that that really kind of uh allows us to fill in the gaps of like if she a quote unquote normal person can uh stretch her mind that far then it's Stands to reason that someone who has been through some form of a big traumatic event could stretch that even further and go on to project that uh, that personality or that I- those ideas into uh, this external thing, which is his mother's body. Um, I feel like right. that's a really good way that like Joseph Stefano and, and Alfred Hitch- Hitchcock went about conveying that idea.
1: Right, and then by extension too, uh, you know the, the his, his Norman has this fixation on not not reanimating the dead necessarily, but but turning them into uh, something something that can sort of exist for him past expiration, you know, and and so like obviously his mother is like the apex of that, but also his hobby is essentially stuffing birds you know what i mean he he explicitly says it's not really the birds that i'm into it's more stuffing things it's more like here's a dead thing that i can i can not reanimate i can't i can't make the thing undead but i can certainly turn this dead thing into a bit of a showpiece and he mostly doesn't see people you know like he several times he talks about how you know they move the highway further away so very few people ever come through the motel so it's not like he's displaying these things for the benefit of others it's really just for himself you know what I mean it's like I took this dead thing and I turned it into a showpiece strictly for my own entertainment strictly to feed my own fascination um, to sort of like you know control the reality of death right like for all we know and it's entirely probable really that maybe he didn't kill all of these birds himself, but he probably killed a few of them himself. And so he's able to just like with his mother, he's able to control their life to the extent that he controls when it ends. And then also in a way control their death in as much as yeah. Like when, when you turn somebody's whether it's a person or a bird, when you turn their, sort of empty vessel into a showpiece for your own personal entertainment, you could argue that you are sort of controlling the circumstances of their death as well, even beyond their expiration and stuff. And it's, this dude's messed up, man, this dude's not well.
0: Uh, (laughs) Right. I mean, but it's also like a metaphor, like kind of going back to this idea of we create our own cages and that like he, this free bird, um, has taken something that is meant to be out and, and living its life. And he's, he's essentially preserved it in a way that like it, it looks the way that it should be in the wild, but ultimately it is just a a facade uh, or, or like a, a, uh, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. It's, it's, it's a facsimile of um, the life that it, should have lived, but it's dead now. Um, if any of that makes any sense. Uh, well, in a way, metaphors. in a way
1: that is also true of Norman himself, right? Like Norman is arguably a victim to a point, right? Because it was, it seems like it was a very dark abusive environment for him when he was younger, even before he, he snapped and, and killed his mother and her boyfriend. Um, and in a way it's it that that extends to him, right? Because the part of Norman that was just Norman seems to have died a long time ago. You know, if you were taking the psychiatrist's monologue as gospel, Norman himself has essentially ceased to exist, or at least Norman, strictly as Norman. And so he in his own way, at least within his own mind, right, is uh, you could use the cage metaphor, but you could also compare it to like the stuffed birds, where the version of Norman That exists is more like a vestige of what Norman was, right? Like just like the stuffed bird is sort of a vestige of what the bird was. It resembles the bird and it shares characteristics of the bird, but the bird's not really there. It is like the way you put it it is it is this facade. It's this uh, sort of facsimile of a person without actually being a person um look at this look at this, shit. Yeah. this is some clever shit we're we're delving man we could write we should write books we should be the psychiatrist at the end and stuff when you do your remake Ooh, uh, we're both we're gonna come in okay. as the psychiatrist and we're basically gonna do the same dialogue um but we're gonna like two-hand it uh so like uh, uh lila's gonna be like did he kill my sister and i'm gonna be like yes and then you're gonna pop your head into frame and go
0: and no
1: And then we're both going to giggle and they're going to wonder what the fuck is so funny.
0: (laughs) Right. They are like, are are these guys
1: high? What's
0: happening?
1: (laughs) They're going to be like, people are dead. And we're going to be like, we know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who's scientists? (laughs) They're all just numbers (laughs) to us.
1: It's like, uh, hey, Norman, Um, you should start a podcast when you're in lockup. That's what we would do if we were our treatment would be Norman. Uh, you're going to spend a lot of time in a room by yourself. Uh, you're going to need an outlet. Uh, you clearly have a big internal life, and uh, we think you should share it with people. We're going to set you up. You're going to do a podcast. And you're not the best part of this is that we're not going to have to put anyone in the room with him. We're not going to risk anyone's physical safety by having them do the podcast with him. We're just going to set him up and have Norman basically do a podcast with Mother. Uh, where the two of them, like we just slip them like some current events, like we give them talking points, like breakdown of today's news and stuff. And then uh, Norman and his mother just sort of debated out um, or like we'll show them like once a month in the facility, Norman gets to watch a movie or something. And then he and mother basically do what we're doing, like Norman and uh, Mrs. Bates can sort of do their own missing out from uh, the facility where, where Norman will be uh, will be incarcerated for. I mean, they imply in this movie that uh, uh, it's going to be like the rest of his natural life. Although in the 80s, they made Psycho 2 and Anthony Perkins did come back. And apparently after 20 something years, I think like 22 years or something, uh, they feel comfortable calling him sane and releasing him. Now, I have not seen the sequels, but my assumption is that it doesn't go well and he probably doesn't start a podcast, which was really the mistake. Like if he had had that outlet... Uh, From a young age, maybe he wouldn't Uh have maybe he wouldn't have done the murders like I know for me personally, this is the biggest uh, barrier between me and doing murders. Um, So I I want everybody. Don't
0: put that on. Don't do not (laughs) put that on on uh, on fucking. I said I don't do murders.
1: I don't do them because because I have this as sort of a grounding influence, and I feel like you know if if we
0: (laughs) ever if we're like hey guys we're uh we're ending the show then people are gonna be like oh no Lex Michael said he's gonna do some murders if the show isn't going on. Well then I guess the show needs to go on. Uh, nah man, this is this is the this is the first mo- this is like their flashback where they're gonna be like remember he said that he was gonna do murders without that show and then the internet went down and uh Lex Michael did the murders. Um so we don't we don't we don't nah man, we don't need that. We don't we don't need that. Uh um but <laughs> Uh I want to talk about Marion for a little bit. Yes. Uh mostly specifically the this concept where it feels like the movie wanted to try to justify her being murdered um where it's like ooh She's doing sex out of wedlock. Ooh, she stole some money. Ooh, she's a criminal. So don't feel so bad when she gets murderized. Because, like, I don't know, she was she was a bad. Like, even though she was innocent uh, or or undeserving of a brutal death, like, bro, she she did some bads. So, like, we spend the first 20 minutes of the movie being like, look at her look at her her weird morals uh, and then we see her murdered and we're like okay oh, the sinner has gotten her come up its yum 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 let's let's talk about norman now um, and i feel weird about it
1: I, no i will say though she she does make the decision before she's murdered to go back and give the money back and sort of face whatever consequences await her but then yes it's like it's like the morality the god of this universe essentially saying uh yeah uh too late bye
0: yeah it's like you could never go back just like uh just like the bible says you can never be forgiven once you do a sin you're forever damned and it's over forever don't hell even yeah. try
1: never go back jack or Bless- two
0: hell yeah you're going to be r- reaching for redemption but you'll never get it you're going to be like Constantine in the Constantine movie starring Keanu Reeves
1: <laughs> no that's my that's my like you know in Luke Cage where he's like you know uh, uh, always forward that's my always forward it's never
0: go back Jack Reacher 2 um it's a good one i like it
1: also no 2 something else that is not it's not subtle but again it it uh was relatively unique and uncommon for the time uh of course we we do see a couple of times uh, janet lee in her in her bra and in her slip which again very risqué uh for the era but early in the movie even though she is uh transgressing in a sense right like she's she's uh uh sharing a bed with a man that she's not in a relationship with she is still relatively innocent and so her sort of lingerie is white, whereas later at the motel after she has made uh, an explicitly criminal decision, uh, her lingerie is black, not subtle, but something but something that you couldn't have really gotten in too many movies before this because they weren't they weren't showing ladies in their undergarments and stuff. But once Hitchcock. Uh, had that opportunity. He's like, oh, I can show her in her in her uh, unmentionables. Well, let me let me use this to say something uh, totally unsubtly, but that is uh, thematically appropriate. And you got to applaud uh, <laughs> I don't, something, something about that. Uh, it definitely merits a That's why he was great. He's like, I'm not going right. to uh, put panties on screen in a gratuitous fashion. I'm going to do it uh, in a way that denotes how clever I am.
0: Hell Yeah. He's like, I don't like hats, but I can do it this way. Um, I, I get like the, the cowboy hats, the white cowboy hat and the black cowboy hat. It's yeah. a, you know, it's an old adage. We talked about it when we talked about Westerns. Doesn't matter. Um, uh, I'm going t- <laughs> like it. to it's talk the, about
1: it's the white panties and the black panties. I get it. I get it. That's, right. Of course. That's something. It's, it definitely means yep, something it, and I am I'm just not smart or literate enough to tell you what it means.
0: Right. Um, I also want to talk about Lila crane cause I really liked her character one super cute, uh, but also, um, she you know she's like a dog with a bone she she was uh, a firecracker she wouldn't she wouldn't take no for an answer she was trying to find her sister and she wasn't gonna stop until she did sam was like oh no let's just trust this other guy like he's fine and she's like fuck that guy he should call us if he didn't call us he's failed us and we're gonna find my goddamn sister uh, and I really like that. She was a she was a great character. Uh, she, uh,
1: if I recall correctly, I think she's the only other cast member that did come back 20 years after this for uh, Psycho 2. It's her and Anthony Perkins. And I'm, I'm pretty sure they're the only cast members that came back. And I'm glad that she came back, although, uh, again, haven't seen it. So I actually I can't spoil it for anybody. If it works like a number of other horror sequels work. Uh, She probably doesn't survive would be my guess, because that's pretty common. Like if, if you're in a slasher or like pseudo slasher series and you're not the protagonist and you make it through one movie decent chance, if they put you in the second movie, it's it's to kill you and make people feel sad, but at least (laughs) she came back because I agree with you. She's a great, you needed somebody um, that Could really carry the second half of the movie as a uh, not a not a protagonist necessarily because um, Norman essentially becomes your your protagonist for uh, a good chunk of it, but somebody who, when you lose Janet Lee, you're not sitting there going, "Oh man, like I I sure wish we had an actress of that caliber in the rest of this movie." Like you needed somebody who could then step into that void and not sort of tank the energy of the movie right like somebody that was just as watchable just as easy to focus on and yeah i think i think vera miles totally totally kills it and like it's no it's no mystery why if they could get her to come back um 20 years later and and they couldn't get anyone else right like it's it's perkins and and we can't get anyone else from that original movie except one i mean i'm glad it was it was her because like yeah she brings she brings so very much to the proceedings she pops in a way that a lot of the other characters don't really get to pop and you needed that because I feel like if you didn't have that that second part of the movie falls flat you need somebody who can anchor you uh, opposite Norman Bates um, in a way that you lose right. about half the movie so yeah. yeah I think she's great
0: she is I also haven't seen uh Psycho 2 but I'd like to imagine that it, it goes the other way where instead of um, her being killed for cheap, uh, for cheap emotion, that she has to team up with, with, <laughs> with Norman Bates uh, to defeat a, a more powerful enemy, like an even psycho or psycho comes and she's like, Norman, you understand these things. And he's like, call me Norma, I'm the mom and we're going to take this person out. <laughs> Um, that's my hope. I hope that they, uh, form a, a, not a friendship because he's done too much, but a mutual understanding. And then he, uh, teams up with the, the psychoer, and, uh, she takes them both out. That's the,
1: hope. Oh, okay. At, at first I thought this was moving in a direction where like, so Norman terrorized her forever, probably like killed people that were close to her and stuff like that. But then, uh, it's like in, um, Uh, fate of the furious where uh uh, jason statham has has caused a lot of problems for this crew and killed at least one person that they like but they're like come over for beers uh it'll be like that
0: uh uh, (laughs) oh no basically
1: norman bates has basically joined the family now like he's invited to cookouts and stuff
0: right no 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 uh because norman bates is gonna norman bates you know so the moment that uh, the opportunity shows and they come face to face with Sycor, um uh, then Mother's like, you know what? I still hate young women. They're going to corrupt everyone. And so then those two come to a mutual understanding and, it be- and they both come after Lila, but Lila ain't having it. Lila's like, fuck y'all, I'm plucky. And so she, you know, takes them out. In a Home Alone style trap house, Psycho, or, Psycho I, Two, Psycho. Or.
1: I I dig it. I dig it. I feel like what you do is it's basically the aliens to Psycho's Alien, and like she does all the traps, but then the two of them are like uh, uh, laying siege to the house together, and then she comes out in one of the mech suits from Aliens, and so like they clear all the traps, like they're doing their platforming shit, but then they got to do a boss fight, and the boss fight is lila in one of the mech suits and he, he's like fucking get get away from her you bitch we got to put a little girl in there so that we can explicitly rip off right. uh, aliens with the dialogue so there's a little girl in there too we'll, we'll backfill the little girl uh, she's real quiet so we don't have to add more dialogue and stuff
0: um well i then, mean yeah, i assume so- that she's she's the the like one of the people that psycho were is going after like psycho were is worse because they not only hate women, but they hate young women. They're like, I kill <laughs> children. Fuck children. Um, and they're like, okay, this person's worse. So that's like where the little need- girl's going to come from.
1: Got it. I feel like we need for this part, we need a really big star that we can get to play against type. We need to get like, you know what we need? We need to get Dwayne Johnson on board to play Psycho You know what I mean? Like it's a big departure from his usual fare. Like normally he's super charismatic leading man. He's the guy that everybody uh, roots for. You want to see him win because he's so dang likable. Uh, There's a chance because he's been attached to play Black Adam in the DC comics movie forever. Black Adam's a villain, but my guess is because it's Dwayne Johnson, they're going to find a way to make him a sort of like tragic villain or like an anti-hero. So what I want is, is Dwayne Johnson in a completely irredeemable, unlikable Uh, I murder small children performance and like he wouldn't even need a knife. Like Norman is kind of a thin wiry guy, but like Dwayne Johnson, I mean, like you've seen him. He's he's huge. He's a big jacked dude. So he could basically kill people by like grabbing them by the face and like smushing their head against the wall. Oh, I also want this movie to be gratuitously violent. Like Psycho, of course, was 1960. And the violence in Psycho, like the shower scene in particular, you feel like you're really watching a body get stabbed, but it's all sound, like they used the sound of a melon being stabbed, and also just the way it's edited. Every edit feels like a cut of the knife, Um, and I think it's very artfully done. You feel like you're seeing a lot more than you're seeing. I want this movie to be unnecessarily over-the-top, gratuitous, like geysers of blood everywhere. Um, I want it to be like... Uh, I don't know if you've seen the Silent Hill movie. It goes super hard. There's a scene towards the end of the movie where Pyramid Head just straight rips somebody's skin off, like all of their skin in one motion and throws it against uh, a doorway. It's bonkers. And I basically want that for two hours. And then at one point, like somebody's like, did, did. Dwayne Johnson just rip somebody's skin off with his hands and smush their head against the wall. And the psychiatrist will be like, yes and no. And then it'll pop out with no further explanation, but everybody will be like, Oh my God, it's this character was in the first movie. This is so exciting. Continuity hashtag. It's all connected. And we'll make so much money and it won't matter that everyone will hate it and everyone will be upset. It it just won't matter. Uh, It will make so much money. And, and we'll make it's these for the rest. It's going to be so
0: record. well written. Uh it's going to be so well written that people will be like, "I don't even know how I <laughs> lived without this thing." It's the greatest thing that uh the Rock has done uh since he was a wrestler uh and <laughs> it, it 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 uh gives me a new view of his character and really finally broke us out of the quote-unquote rock type character where he's like super self-aware and he's all charismatic and allows him to splash around a bit and this is what he's been waiting for he's like they're always typecasting me uh it's time for me to do some stuff and so (laughs) by the way (laughs) the rock talks like barack obama (laughs) um and so uh it'll be his chance to really like expand what he's been able to do because everyone's just been trying to get him in the same types of roles
1: right it'll be like uh in uh, once upon a time in the west when henry fonda who was known for playing the good guy parts played a villain like a really cruel sadistic villain it'll be like that for dwayne johnson except gratuitously unnecessarily uncomfortably violent like the novel uh uh the the novel that psycho is based on by uh, Robert Bloch is more violent than the movie is. You know, it's um, because you couldn't depict some of the things that are in the novel on screen at the time. Like uh, Marion, who I think is called Mary in the novel, is not stabbed to death in the shower. She's literally beheaded uh, in the shower, which of course does not make it into the finished product. So we have to make up for the oversight of uh, Alfred Hitchcock on on the original movie by tripling, quadrupling down on gratuitous Violence in this, you know, like a master of suspense, says you fucking coward, says I Uh, he if he really wanted to wow me, he would have cut her head clean off. And so we are going to, to succeed where Hitchcock very clearly failed, abject failure. You know what? I've changed my mind about this movie. It sucks now. We need to redeem this movie by making an ultra, ultra violent, unpleasant, gnarly, grisly, saw like sequel to this thing. Um, so how do we reach Dwayne Johnson's people? Because like there's no way he's not going to jump at this. Like there's no way this won't enhance his brand and stuff.
0: I'm sure we could just tweet him or something. Um, <laughs> but before we do that, do you have any like last thoughts about this movie before we send uh, Dwayne Johnson to the wolves? <laughs>
1: Um, honestly, I mean, uh, there's uh, <laughs> there's there's a lot I feel like we could still we could still say about it. But uh, ultimately, my big feeling coming away from watching Psycho again is just how well it holds up. I mean, even if you know all of the twists, and as we've said now, a couple of times, it's hard not to by now. The thing has been um, a super famous movie for what 60 years. Um, so everybody's kind of familiar, but it's not the, what it's, it's the how, and it's always the how, you know what I mean? Like regardless of what your story is about in movies, right? It's never necessarily what the story is. It's how they go about telling it. And I think there is so much here, uh, to recommend beyond just, Oh, here are the, you know, here are the big shocking moments. Oh yeah. You, you know, the shower scene, here's the shower scene in context and stuff like that. Um, I think – I mean Anthony Perkins' performance alone I think is worth the price of admission. It's hard for me to overstate how excellent and how captivating I I think he is in the movie and how he really is able to turn on a dime like as you alluded to. Um, He's able to go from totally sympathetic, very meek, very unassuming and then flip a switch and go – truly sinister, truly scary. Um, There's there. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much we could, we could still talk about, but uh, if we're talking, you know, to to put a pin in this particular conversation for the time being, really, I want to know as a first timer, what your thoughts are and does seeing this movie make you more inclined to go check out maybe the sequels, maybe the base motel series, maybe even uh, the Gus Van Sant, Remake, which is a, a wild thing, um, that that also uh, it stars uh, Ann Haish as Marion Crane, stars uh, Julianne Moore, I believe, as Lila, Vigo Mortensen as Sam Loomis, and Vince Vaughn as Norman Bates. I'm actually kind of looking forward to revisiting that myself just as a, as a novelty, but uh, you Tari J, are you inclined in that direction, and more importantly what what would your final thoughts be about Alfred Hitchcock's psycho if you had to put a nice uh, fancy ribbon on it?
0: okay, so here are my thoughts. Uh, I thought it was really interesting I do think yes it it definitely holds up. I think it uh, I can see all of the pieces that really caught people from the beginning and why it continues to be a uh, a classic. Uh, I also really liked a lot of the cinematography. I liked uh, all of the performances, uh, even like the small things. Like there's a a moment when uh, Marion just talks to a random guy and it's like, man, this dude has a lot of uh, a lot of just personality to him. So I thought that a lot of the movie really uh, was very effective I don't I think I don't think that I will catch any of the like remakes or sequels because I don't feel like it was made for those. I think that it's best as a self-contained thing. Uh mm-hmm. so I am not inclined to watch any sequel uh spin-off or remake. I uh I am interested in checking out maybe more of Anthony Perkins' work. Uh, but I think that's the only thing that really uh, kind of uh, sparks within me to elaborate on this film. Maybe I'll do a little bit more research on the background of it, because I know it was made in the time of the Hayes Code, which I wonder how that happened, because I, I think it violates a lot of those principles. So I'm I'm interested in, in a lot of the background of it. But uh, right. yeah, and I think that people should... Definitely check it out in terms of contextualizing a lot of the things that they probably didn't even know were references to the movie itself, um, and also just uh, another chance to see classic cinema and and try to uh, contextualize it within the the time frame that it was created, understand why it was so revolutionary, and and kind of just build. Uh, the uh, language of film into just kind of like it's historical context. I think it's worth it for that reason alone. Um, But I also, I liked it. It, uh, I, I enjoyed the movie, especially uh, considering that I'm not a classic movie person. Uh, I was unbothered that it was black and white and I was unbothered (laughs) that it had old morality senses. Like it's a, it's a good movie. So that would be the pin that I would put into it. It's a good movie. Check it out.
1: Yeah. And the, the black and white was a stylistic choice. Um, Hitchcock had been making movies in color for a little bit at that point. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, like you say, like the, I, I'm a big, you know, I am very much a classic movie guy. I love, I mean, I, I just love the form even as it existed um, in, in eras Past, but also I love being able to piece together uh film history to give everything I watch a little bit of additional context. And and hell, if you aren't necessarily a Hitchcock person, if you're not into older movies, if you don't want to watch anything in black and white, at least, at the very least, come for the first toilet in cinema right like you talk about the era of the production code and stuff well hitchcock was like fuck your code here's a toilet and that by the way that's gonna be uh something that dwayne johnson says in the in the sequel in psycho Two, psycho where he's gonna say fuck your code here's a toilet and then he's gonna he's gonna kill somebody with the toilet
0: right of course (laughs) uh it has to be a police officer because they're gonna be like you're violating this code and he's gonna be like fuck code and he's gonna both shove their head into the toilet and then crush the toilet with his bare hands Um, if that doesn't happen I'm off the project Um, okay so if people want to talk to you about this movie if people want to talk to you more about um, the the sequel if uh, Dwayne Johnson's people are trying to get in contact with you where can they find you
1: Uh, Yes, Uh, especially if you're one of Dwayne Johnson's reps, uh, I can be reached on Twitter and Instagram at TheLexMichael.
0: And you can find me at Tori T-U-R-I-J-A-Y. But that's only if you are Dwayne Johnson's people or you want to talk to me about this movie. Those are the only contexts in which you should reach out to me on Twitter or if you just want to be my friend. Uh, But most importantly... You can find this podcast at Missing Outcasts, that's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T, and you can catch more of Mother May I, this month's theme, next week we're going to be talking about Scream 2, Um, and that will become clear why when we talk about it. And we hope that you guys are taking care of yourselves. We hope that you're staying sane. We hope that we can help in doing so. Uh, Please feel free to reach out to us. Um, If you just want to chat about dumb shit, uh, we're available on the social medias. Let us know. Um, And yeah, I think that's it. Uh, Until next week, this has been The Retrospective That's Introspective.
1: And now you have a new perspective. fuck your code here's a toilet i'm making shirts i'm making shirt sure- you're going to wear one tari you're going to wear a okay. fuck your code here's a toilet shirt
0: i like shirts and toilets <laughs> <laughs>